He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20 The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Hallelujah. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, thank you for your sacred word that came and comes from above. We pray that this morning you will send forth your word to deliver us from all our distractions, from everything that is in our lives that's not of you. Lord, have your way. Holy Spirit, you are my helper. Fill me and use me for the purpose for which God has slated today. Holy Spirit, have absolute control of everything here and of everyone. And let this word go forth and come back and produce the reason for which it is being sent. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Please take your seats. Well... We thank God for seeing us through three days or three nights or two nights in the morning. Amen. Amen. I myself am surprised that I've come here three times. <laughs> I'm very surprised. Please don't tell my church people. <laughs> because they'll tell me that, hey, so you can do that. you know. But anyway... It's been an awesome time and a privilege to be here. And uh, it's always a privilege to be used by God. And always a privilege to be God's ambassador. Amen. Amen. So um, I want to say thank you to God, first of all. I think he deserves a clap offering. And then thank you to my husband and whom I serve. And thank you to Pastor David Yali, Pastor Francis Yali. Oh, we have a David Yali. So I'm always mixing the two, sorry. For allowing me to be here and to also speak God's word. I don't take it for granted. And I think that you have a wonderful church, a wonderful ministry. And um, I want to encourage you that the best is yet to come. I also want to salute his wife, who has been a real blessing to us. Also for Miami, God bless you. The hospitality and reception has been great. It's my, um, it's my department in my church, so... 
I noticed a lot of things without saying a lot of things. But this has been very good. God bless you. And I want to also salute all the pastors and leaders who stand with them in ministry. God will bless you and God will remember you. Amen. I've enjoyed the worship and the music in your church. God bless you. And, and, and the spirit, the spirit here is very healthy. So may the Lord do more than that. And thank you also for being here today, every one of you. God bless you. Amen. Well, we've been talking to singles and married, haven't we? In all the times that we've had here. And um, I was asking God how to end today. So um, I want to speak about do not destroy God's creation. Do not destroy God's creation. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1. I hope you know where Proverbs is. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. Are we there? If you are there, say amen. Amen. If you are there, say yes. Yes. If you are not there, say wait for me. me. (laughs) Hey, I see. Okay, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Um, A more modern version says, homes are made by the wisdom of women and destroyed by their foolishness. Homes are made by the wisdom of women and destroyed by their foolishness. Amen. And I come with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 13. This one is talking about when Eve took the apple for which she is forever blamed and then gave it to Adam. And the Bible said, Adam ate it and we got all this disaster. And in Genesis 3, 13, God came to both the man and the woman and the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Amen. Amen. Now, This question that God asked Eve is a very serious question. He just asked, it seems to be just one question that, what is this that thou hast done? But I believe that God could see the effects of Eve's disobedience, amen, for which women have been blamed up to today. But I believe that God knows that (laughs) it is not the end of women. Amen. Amen. And um, when God said, what is this that thou hast done? He could see 
broken marriages. He could see broken homes. He could see incurable and terminal diseases. He could see division. He could see war. He could see distraction. He could see a lot of things that were not right. And so he said to Eve, you know, you are not seeing far, but what is this that you have done? You have introduced betrayal. You have introduced sin. You have introduced the shortening of man's life. That man will not live forever anymore. You have introduced disobedience, rebellion, distraction. So it started by her destroying God's creation. Amen. Because God had created everything, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when God said, please, don't touch this. Eve thought, it's just a tree. And Satan said, oh, has God said, like he often does. He doesn't say directly that, don't listen, because then we'll see that it's evil. But oh, has God said that you shouldn't eat of the tree? Has God really said that? He puts a question mark on God's word. Amen. And because of that, it is taught that Eve destroyed everything that God had created, which is true. But when you look at Romans chapter 5 verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man, not one woman, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed anyway. 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam. And that when you read further in scripture, it says that there was a first Adam and a second Adam came. So it's not only Eve who destroyed God's creation, but Adam, the Bible says, as by one man, sin came into the world. And I know that it's talking about Adam because the Bible goes on to talk about the first Adam and the second Adam. Who by God's grace were both males. Amen, brothers? So God did not say, oh, Adam, you know, you were just tempted by Eve. So you are not guilty. God said, because of this thing that you have done, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread and thorns and thistles come out of the land and then for the woman he said that you will be very sorrowful when you are given birth and your desire shall be unto your husband and he will rule over you and then the serpent he said that there will be enmity between you and the woman always in fact this is one of the first lessons you do in law it is called natural justice that God already introduced law in the garden of Eden and God apportioned blame to each person equally and severally, like we say in law. And that even though all-knowing God knew all the sins of Adam and Eve, by natural justice, everybody has a right to be heard. Amen. Amen. 
It's called the Audi Alterum Partum Rule in law. And that means that everybody has a right to be heard. So, whether the lecturer was godly or not, this was the foundation of the law. So, they had to teach us in the law school. Amen. Amen. And it said that even though all-knowing God knew everything, when he came, he asked Adam, what have you done? Eve, what is this that thou hast done? And everybody said, Adam said, it's the woman you gave me. The woman said, it's the serpent. And it continues today. But my point is that we have all played a part in destroying God's creation. Amen. Amen. And marriage is one of God's creation. And the Bible is saying that homes are destroyed. Proverbs 14 verse 1. By the wisdom of women are built by those and destroyed by their foolishness. So sometimes women may not see themselves as very powerful or very effective. But sisters, you see, it doesn't matter that the law was given to Adam. But for us to give him just a fruit, the whole creation was destroyed. Amen, ladies. And so we have in our hands what you call influence. So I don't have a problem that I'm not the head. That God said you are not the head. And God said you should submit. And why should God say that? Look, a woman has influence and is more powerful than an AK-47 or a bazooka. Amen, sisters. And the Bible is saying here that homes are made by our wisdom. A wise woman builds her house. But the foolish tears it down. It means that the same wise woman can become foolish. Lady Reverend, why do you say that? Because the foolish, it's not that the foolish doesn't build anything, but she tears down what is there. Amen. Amen. So if there's a home, there's a marriage, a foolish woman would tear it down. Sometimes the foolish woman may be a third person, a third party. In spite of the fact that God has said what God has put together, let no man, including yourself, put asunder. Many put marriage asunder by the things they do and the things they say. Amen. I remember that when Princess Diana was having problems in her marriage and she was interviewed, she said that our marriage was crowded. When they asked her, what do you mean crowded? She said that, Our marriage was supposed to be two people, but we were three because of Camilla. We were three in the marriage. And she used the term, it was crowded. And some of us are crowding other people's marriages and we are in church. Amen, somebody. So some people have made their homes before you came. And you are coming to tear it down with your hands. And the Bible is saying that if you are doing such a thing, you are a foolish woman. I didn't say it. I don't naturally insult, but when the Bible says it, I'm no wiser than God. Amen. Sometimes it is not even that you would have an adulterous relationship, but it is so. You know, when I was growing up in Scripture Union, some things were unheard of. And as Paul says, It is unthinkable to mention some things because even among Gentiles, it is wild. But unfortunately, in the church now, I can't say that. In the body of Christ, I cannot say that. I have been in the church when 
a woman has walked in and pointed that this choirista is sleeping with my husband. So I have come into the cathedral to see her. And then the lady pastor who received her said, are you sure? The one standing in front, the worshiper, are you sure? And the woman said, she's very sure. So after the service, the lady passed, she sits by me, Shabadi's wife. So she called the lady. This woman has brought a complaint. But uh, now we are in the cathedral. So you let's go to one of the lounges and talk about it. I said, no, lady, we can be here in the Jesus Cathedral. And she said, yes. I mean, what, she, what she's saying is true. But her husband is having problems with her. She's not able to make him happy. So me, I'm not the cause. She's the cause of her own. Wow. You are a foolish woman. And you think that you are the latest thing that has come. And that you will remain the latest things. But you see, sometimes you should check statistics. You should check statistics because people also come crying to the reverend. He said his wife was giving him problems. She was not the right person. So, me too, I thought that, you know, I can solve his problems. But lady reverend, I want to take the wife's stone to her. Eh, Which in now local parlance means that I want to tell her that you were right. In fact, one of our lady pastors, her mother, the lady who broke the marriage brought a literal stone to their house. That I'm bringing you, eh, why are dear father, you married this man 20 years. Me, I came only two years. It's not easy. So when you see things that glitter, and you see, and he says like, I am the latest woman to uh, solve people's problems. And that his wife gives him problems. Does he know the problems you are going to give him five years later? Amen, ladies. So we destroy other homes from outside. And sometimes we destroy other homes from within. And the within is we ourselves, we build our home. And after that, we sit down and we pull it down. By the things we say, by our behavior, and by the things we do. And I'm saying that it is not only women who are sinners. All have sinned. Amen, brothers? But the Bible here is saying that in spite of, I believe, the kind of husband you have, you can still be a wise woman and build your home. Because when you look at Abigail, like I've been saying, her husband was not the best of people. The Bible says he was a fool. I didn't say it. And he was a man with a lot of means. He had 3,000 sheep, 3,000. The Bible actually says he was a great man. A great man can still be a fool. Amen? But the Bible says he was a great man, but he was a fool. So he was great financially, but when it came to other things, he was a fool. But Abigail was able to manage Nabal. Are you able to manage your neighbor with good understanding from on high? If you see anybody who has been married for some years, it's not because the two are perfect, but it's because they have allowed God to give them a certain grace and a certain wisdom to survive the times. 
Amen, somebody. The Bible says in Genesis 8, 22, that seed time and harvest, summer and winter, day and night, they will never cease. As in your walk with God, it's not every day you are happy. Therefore, in your walk with a man or a woman, it will not be every day that you will be happy. Why do you expect to be happy every day? Our relationship with God is made up of a perfect person and imperfect us. And we still have a lot of problems. How much more to imperfect beings? Amen. I believe that a lot of marriages have problems, like I said on the first day. Because we lean on our own understanding. And we are getting advice from the internet, women empowerment, Beijing. And we are not even going to the light, which is the word for answers. Amen, somebody. For instance, I met a British man a few months ago, maybe about five months ago. And he said to me, as for me, I have a problem with the Bible. And one of the things it says about marriage, a man. And I asked him, what is it? He said, the fact that it says wife submits. I have a problem because me, I think that sometimes... My wife is smarter than me. So if she submits to submit totally to me, it will be a problem. And I said, what you don't know is that the same Ephesians 5, before it comes down to say wife submit, it says submitting yourselves one to another. So we take scripture, we don't divide it rightly, and we go off on a tangent. But the same Ephesians 5 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Before it comes to say, wives in 22, submit yourselves unto your own husband. So every Christian has submission in their lives. And we are supposed to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. We say Jesus is Lord, but in our lives our emotions are Lord. Our feelings are Lord. Our mother's advice is Lord. Our father's advice is Lord. Our colleague at work, her advice is Lord. Our best friend who has been married twice and we think has experience. Her word is Lord and not the word. Jesus is not Lord of our lives. Jesus is Lord in certain areas. That's why people ask me, but lady reverend, how can some fine Christians divorce? Because temptation comes to everybody. Amen. And it is not all people who have Jesus as Lord in every department of their lives. I believe that life is in departments. And some of us, we are very submitted to God in some departments. But when it comes to certain things, we say, hey, forgiveness. Hey, Lord. But you are a new creature in Christ. Amen. And then when it comes to that, we say, for Bible, no to chen. And then let's talk. How can you put the Bible in chen? When the Bible is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, you will walk in darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me shall not walk in darkness. Amen. So if you don't walk in him, you will walk in darkness. Homes are made by the wisdom of women. It's women who create uh, the mood in a home. 
Most of the time. Most of the time. Amen. If the woman creates moodiness, the atmosphere in the home is often moodiness. If the woman creates unfriendliness, the atmosphere in the home is unfriendliness. If the woman creates unhospitability, it's going to be the same. When you come, say, "Mm mm-hmm. You are a mother-in-law, you've come. Uh Uh-huh. How long are you staying for? Oh, I came to the eye clinic, so they said I should... Mm. Come in. You come in. No water, no drink, no food. No, you know, you like to pack your things and go. Homes are made by the wisdom of women. Amen. Amen. When you look at the good woman, she has so many departments in her life. How does she manage? She delegates some. But when you delegate, it doesn't mean you should abdicate. Amen. Some of us, we have abdicated all our duties in the home. And everything is done by the house help. In fact, if it were not God, even the bedroom, you would give her the duty to accomplish it for you. But you are supposed to be like a supervisor and the officer in charge. It is true the virtuous woman has servants to help her. But she doesn't hand over her whole life to a servant. Amen. So even if, like me, I brought a young man, a young boy to my home. He knew how to, how to do nothing. And then I trained him to do what he does. After training him, I also took him to some international place in Ghana. But to help to do more international dishes than what I had taught him. So... He comes back home, and yes, he helps. But he is not the head of my home or in charge of domestic affairs. Amen. I am still in charge by the grace of God. And even when you come home and you have told the person, do this, do this, it's been done. When it comes to the serving, try as a woman to do it yourself. Amen. Because service is beautiful. And as you are serving a man, he's looking at you and ideas are occurring to him. Amen. Brothers, am I speaking true? I have friends whose husbands don't mind. Like, they go to the kitchen and they serve themselves. They really don't mind. But sometimes you should still say, oh, let me do this for you. Have you eaten... Are you full? Eat more. My husband says that as the women say eat more, they should also say in the bedroom, eat more. Yeah. Amen, ladies. <laughs> so homes are made. The Shunammite woman, the Bible says she was a great woman. She was great because she had substance. And she also had a husband. And she was submitted to a husband. Amen. Amen. And then when the husband was living with her, she is the one who observed that Elijah comes and goes. So I've observed that he is a holy man of God, not a needy man of God. You don't give to somebody because he's in need. You give to him because of the office that God has put the person in. 
So the, the woman didn't say, he's a needy man of God. He's a holy man of God. And she said to her husband, let us build an outer house for him in the wall. And then I want to put a bed, a table, a lamp, and a chair. And so that as he passes through, now he can sleep on his journey. And the Bible says the woman constrained Elijah. Constrained means almost forcing. But some of you, when the person said, hey, yes, I don't cry. Amen. And as this woman ministered to Elijah, she didn't go and ask him that, what are your needs? So that I list it. One thing a woman can do in order to build her home is to have anticipated needs. Anticipate the needs of your husband. Anticipate the needs of your children. Anticipate the needs of a visitor. Don't wait for a visitor to go to the bathroom and come and say that the toilet roll is finished. Excuse me to say. Buy a toilet tree and stack toilet roll so that the person doesn't have to ask you. Don't wait for the person to come and say, oh, there was no soap to wash my hands on the sink. Anticipate the needs of the person. There was a great man when David was sent out by Absalom. And the man, what was his name? I'll find it. The man came to David in the wilderness. And when he came to David... He didn't say, David, as you've come, I would like to know the things you need. That is not what he said. The Bible says he brought a bed, beds, he brought basins, he brought so many things to help David that David had not given him a list about. Amen. Amen. What about you? Everything we have to tell you. Oh, we need this. Oh, when we come and stay with you, say, oh, you forget to feed us. So we have to ask you, oh, I'm coming to juice, because we are bought. juice, Then you say, oh, juice. Okay. Let me go and get it for you. But that is not what this man did. I want to read this man's. Uh, I hope I find him. Yes, I have. You see, there was somebody who was called Shime. He didn't do that. He was just insulting David. Who do you think you are? Why have you come here? Uh, you have shed so much blood. That's why. Somebody is against you. But when you look at 2 Samuel verse 19, chapter 19, verse 31. And Basilea the Giladite came down from Rogelim and went over Jordan with the king to con- conduct him over Jordan. Verse 32. Now Basilea was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. And he had provided the king of substance which he lay at Mahinem, for he was a very great man. Amen. And the king said unto Basilea, Come thou over with me, and I will feed you in Jerusalem. Why did the king say that to Basilea? 
because he had done him a lot of good before. Amen. And this man did not know whether David would be, be defeated. He will not be defeated. He didn't know, but he provided. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Second Samuel 17. Verse 28. He brought beds. How did he know David would need a bed? David has left Jerusalem being chased out by Absalom. Basilea meets him in the wilderness or wherever David is. He can see that when people run for a long time, when it gets somewhere, they would like to relax. So he brought beds and basins, earthen vessels, and wheat, and parley, and flour, parched grain, and beans, and lentils, and parched seeds, 29, honey, and cats, sheep, and cheese of the head. For David and the people who were with him to eat. For they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. David did not send a list of demands. David did not say, oh, as I'm coming, if but Basilea had a gift of anticipated needs. What are the needs in the ministry? As you are a husband, you are a wife, what are the needs of your spouse? Do you anticipate it? Amen? Sometimes by the grace of God, I have anticipated needs that my husband doesn't see as a need. And I believe that's why the Bible says homes are made by the wisdom of women. Amen. Amen. Not long ago, a few years ago, we always have give thyself holy. And then when it started, I took it upon myself that, oh, as the board members are coming, they will be hungry. My husband agreed. So I should feed them. He agreed. And then we rolled along. But a few years into that, when he saw the bill, he just said, wow. Hey, but the other pastors go to, there's a lot of food being sold around. And they eat there. And then the other people are also fed, but in a certain way. A good way, but a, maybe once. Then he said to me, that, ah, but this your group, the bill is very high, so... I want to cut it down. And also, I want to tell you, woman, that it is a spiritual meeting. The pastors are coming here because they want to be fed spiritually. They are not thinking about food. They are thinking about spiritual things. So I, I even wonder if this component is important. So this year, we are even going to give them spiritual food, the books, free of charge. But your department, I wonder... As I looked at it, I saw that this one, you know, you see, you have to submit, but as unto the Lord, some of the submission, if you do it, there will be disaster. So I said, oh, really? Said, yes. And have you seen the budget? I just want you to know. Then it was echoed by one of his bishops who was in charge. I called him and I said, oh, we just need a little, because I've already done this. And so, mommy. I thought daddy had told you that it's a spiritual meeting. So, 
So I asked the Lord, and the Lord said, whether spiritual or whether anointing, they will be hungry. And also, if you lessen the times of feeding, it will affect the fellowship in there. So, by the grace of God, I went along my own means and moved and shook and all that. And then the day came. And the day came, I'd set my table, everything, and then I invited the members to come, the people. Oh, please come. It was break time. Oh, please follow me. Please come. Then they started it. My husband hardly eats at those meetings. So then he came. Oh, mommy, this is a bishop, whatever, from Botswana. And then this one is from Rwanda. And this one is from Venezuela. Please make them comfortable. I thought it was a spiritual meeting. Homes are made by the wisdom of women and destroyed by their foolishness. Amen. Oh, this one is from Venezuela. This one, and they'll soon be interviewed for the board. So please go with my wife. Very powerful. Spiritual meeting. Is this meeting. But I thank God for grace and for wisdom. That's what the Bible says. A wise woman built a house. And when, when it says your house, it's not just you. But the house of God should also be your house. Amen. My husband has told me, you know, when Benin came, all this, then my husband came and said that. I want to tell you a, a very strange observation I have made. I said, really? So you see, all these men, great men of God, they come on. When they arrive and they are writing a thank you letter, mommy, you won't believe it. And I'm like, eh, why? What do they say? So they look, the first line is, thank you for your great hospitality, reception, and food. Before they go to anointing and things, so he has now got the revelation and he's sharing it with me. But a wise woman will know that you have to bring basins. You have to bring, even working in the church. You don't have to wait. Everything your pastor has to say. You are going to preach with your pastor. He has to say, oh, bring some water. Bring my hanky. Some people do change of clothes. Bring my this. Every time he asks you, oh, I forgot. And then you laugh. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> I you have affected the effectiveness of the person. And number two, you are belittling what is precious to the person. Because you cannot anticipate but this Basilea, nobody called it. And some of you used to say, Pastor, give me a list of the things you need. So that, that burden must be taken off so that we can think correctly, properly. <laughs> Amen, somebody. When my husband told me that, I felt sorry for him. Oh, by God's will, I didn't feel angry at all. I felt sorry for him because I know his budget and I know it's not easy. I know his budget for these conferences. I know it's not easy because he gives books, materials, so that pastors not from our church can do well and can do this. So when I myself, I see the bill, I myself am afraid. So when he then uses Takashi to say, it's not a spiritual, a spiritual meeting, I think that instead of sharing his problems, he's using Takashi to go through the problem. So then by the grace of God, I don't say, ah, well, 
if you say it's a spiritual meeting, then so be it. The ground there will be there. No. Have the eye to see the kingdom. Have the eye to see God's people. Have the eye to see the body of Christ, not just a person. Have an eye to see what God is trying to do. So when I look at it, and then I say to him that, Nikra, I feel sorry for you. So I will, I, will, I will find other means and I will work hard. Amen. Is that, as I called the caterer, I said, that, look, I know you feel that you have got business. Eh? I'm going to feed thousand people. You think you've got business. I want to tell you something. Don't see me as a business. See me as a ministry. Amen. And as the caterer I work with has seen me as a ministry, she's rather blessed beyond those who come as a business. Because people say, oh, this thing you did for mommy, I want some. This thing that... She is blessed beyond compare. Her understanding is different. Amen. You work in the office, we come, there's nothing in the fridge. When we ask, uh, I told these people to bring, and then they didn't, and then they, whatever. So now we should stop what we are doing. Go and look for water. Sort things out. What is your use? Don't destroy God's creation by having a very myopic view about what is happening. You see, you are narrow-minded. You see only yourself and your children. And then you say, well, the man, he will only learn by experience. So let shame come. And then he will learn by shame that whatever. No. That's not a wise woman. Amen. Abigail sent figs and meat and wine ahead to David because she anticipated his needs. He had already come to ask for this. And Nabal said, we can't give you. And then, so Abigail did not go to Nabal. But if it were you and I, I would go to Nabal in the bedroom and say that. But you too, why? This man has been helping us. He doesn't charge us for security services. He's very good. And if he's coming for, to ask for just food, you are already sharing your sheep and making a party for your workers. Can't you add him? How much will it cost you by that time? Nabal's army has advanced and your whole family will be wiped out. But a wise woman knew that, well, a man's gift makes room for him. So she sent the gifts ahead. And she herself rode after that and came to the place. And the Bible says when she saw David, she got off the thing. She came softly and she knelt down and she said, oh, let the sin be upon me. But when you are not wise, you want to quarrel with the man. And when you quarrel with him, things don't change and things don't get solved. Amen, ladies. So homes are made by the wisdom of women and destroyed by their foolishness. The Shunammite woman anticipated Elijah's need. Elijah didn't say, oh, what's my prophet? I'll need a table and a lamp and a chair because I like to study the Bible. She thought through it. When you take that thought away from your leader, your husband, the person you are helping, it makes the person more fruitful. And when you don't, you become a stumbling block to the person. Amen. Amen. She said, he's a holy man of God, not a needy man of God. So that's the first one. Do not destroy God's creation. Do not destroy the home. Sometimes we also destroy the home by the way we speak and brothers by your anger but when you are emotional it's better not to do anything 
Because when David was with his men and they came and their wives and their children have been taken, they took an emotional decision to kill David. But if they had killed David, they would never have recovered all. So when you make decisions in the midst of your emotions, it is a problem and you are not likely to make a good decision. Amen. Do not destroy a potential life. Do not destroy a potential life. Amen. Second Kings 11 verse 1. Second Kings 11 verse 1. And when Ataliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal seed. Amen. Satan likes to destroy things in the seed stage. And you too may be destroying things in the seed stage by committing abortions. And every time I wonder why they say, oh, this girl, she has committed about five abortions. With who? Always with a man. But the man is left out. It started from the time of Jesus. When the woman was caught with adultery was brought. Adultery doesn't take one person. But the woman was brought by only men. And when she was brought, they said, we have caught her in the act. They left the man and brought the woman. Amen, ladies. So abortion is not caused only by a woman. It takes two. And that's why God says, we should be close and sexual in the context of marriage. Because Atalia, she saw that her son was dead. And she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. Another Viking James says the royal seed. It's a seed that had potential. It's a seed that was going to become royal. It's a seed that was going to be king. And she slaughtered all of them. In the same way, we also destroy certain seeds that God puts in our lives. And the repercussions are not good. When Moses was born, the king brought a law. In Exodus 1.16, he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Amen. Pharaoh wanted to destroy the seed before it even becomes a human being. He said that when they come and they are coming to deliver, destroy the seed before it even comes to live. But Moses' mother and father were daring. I believe God gave them a certain grace. And they decided to keep that seed and nurture that seed. And that seed became Moses and the deliverer of Israel. Satan sees things in the seed stage and he fights things in the seed stage. So we should recognize that. And instead of killing the seed, we should be like the Hebrew midwives who rather preserve the seed. Every church starts as a seed. Every relationship starts as a seed. Every human life starts as a seed. And it is for us. To nurture that seed. But unfortunately, we destroy that seed. Many years ago, the seed of Lighthouse was born. I was in the church before I got married. And I remember my husband coming to tell me, my beloved, 
that God, he believes that God has called him to start a church. I said, really? But I was on Legon campus and he was in Kolebu, so I was minding my own business. Then we came to law school. But even before then, he said that God had called. Then he invited my friends and I that we should come for a Sunday service. And when we were going, we wore jeans, skirt, t-shirt, but we didn't think what he was saying. He was serious. So we attended in a casual way. When we got there, the few members that were there were dressed formally. So after the church, he told us that, ah, why have you come in t-shirt? It's a church. It's not a fellowship. I said, ah, a church, really? It's a church. Wow. I see. And so from there, we started to change how we dress so that the church would look a bit serious. Now, when I look at his pictures, I see that it was really God because he was very, very young. And he started to leave his beard so that he will generate a bit of confidence in the congregation. <laughs> but the congregation was made up of students. And it was just a seed. It was in some faraway classroom in Kolebu. And people said to us, oh, your church is not by the wayside. It's not on a general road, a main road. And then also when you get to Kolebu Gate, you have to walk inside. So we don't think where your church is positioned, we don't think it will grow, you know? And many things came to attack that seed. For instance, my husband's first associate, whenever my husband was preaching, then he would be discussing with the people in the church whether he's called. <laughs> and then my husband detected that, ah, it's like there's a faction in the church. One is on this side and one is on this side. And he became afraid to go and preach on Sundays. So every time we go for all night, then I sleep in my friend's room at the female side of a medical school. So in the morning, it would be a Saturday, and I'm going back to Legon with Bishop Saki. And then he would say to me, is that how my life is going to become? I said, I don't understand. He said, every Saturday night, I get running stomach. I'm afraid because they say I'm not called. But Satan was seeing the seed. And he wanted to destroy the seed in the seed stage. Not in the mature stage. So sometimes the things we even say, our attitude and the things we do can destroy what God is creating. Amen, somebody. So then he told me, another time I came from Takradian, they had a fun in the medical school. And he told me, oh, it's good you've come to visit me. And as I was preparing, it was like a Monday or so. On Saturday, as I was preparing, the fun was on and I was thinking I should just hang myself on the fun. Because Satan could see the seed and the potential in the seed. And I remember telling him, oh no, you shouldn't do that. But that would be even another crime before God. You shouldn't do that. But if anything is of God, God himself will show it. And if it's not, then he himself had his quiet time. And he read a verse. Cast out the scorner, and strife shall cease. Contention shall go out. So, he called this assistant and said, From today, you are relieved of every post. Don't come to the church again. And the assistant said, Oh, how? 
I'm called to assist you. My husband said, no. He said, okay, I'll be in the church, but I won't play any role. He said, no. The scripture says, cast out the scorner and strife shall cease. Contention shall go out. Amen. So the person had to leave. When he left, before, oh, we were a very small church. So when he left, he went to a big church. And he, immediately he was made worship leader because they had already been talking to him. And more than half the church left. More than half. The church was already a student's church and he came down. Everything was finished. Then there was a lady there who used to sing before my husband would preach. Then I came on Friday for all night with Bishop Saki, Bishop Adi, and then my husband told me, I had a dream. I said, that I said that in the dream I was boxing, 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 boxing. But the person had a mask. When I removed it, it was this worship leader. I said, so what are you going to do? I'm going to pray about it for God to reveal more. So we just went on. And then he started to hear. The worship leader was in NTC talking, saying this. So even though, not worship, um, the singer. So even though she sang before he preached, her heart was not with us. So she was the second person he called. Cast out the scorner and strife. I said, sister, I think you should go where you feel you are blessed. You should go where you think you will be believed. You, you believe in the anointing. You should just go. So the person also left. The church became a phantom of itself. And it became nothing. And it didn't look like it would become anything. It was then that Bishop Saki became his assistant. But Satan knew the seed. And thank God that the seed was preserved. Which is what has become the United Denominations of Lighthouse Chapel. And that is what gave birth to his teachings on loyalty. Because God taught him. I cast out the scorner. Do this. Do this. Do this. And God was able to use that to save so many churches. Today, since when I travel with him, the pastors see him internationally and all. They are just big pastors with big church. They just look at him and they are crying. We met one pastor. I said that, I'm 60. Why didn't I meet you earlier to read this book? And then some of them ask me, how does your husband know all these things? I said, through pain and suffering, he has been able to put it down in a book. But when I look back, I say, oh, Satan was at work. He wanted to destroy the seed. Like Atalia, it was a royal seed. It was a special seed. You too must see through the maneuvers of Satan. For your home, your marriage, your relationship, your church. In the choir, when the leader says we are wearing blue, he said, me, I want to wear indigo. There can never be two heads in a home, a church, a company. Anything that has two heads is a freak. It's not normal. Amen? Amen. And we cannot take everybody's opinion. You want to wear indigo? This one wants to wear blue? This one wants to wear short. This one wants a... It has to be one leader. In a home, there cannot be two heads. You say this, then you say this to the children. This one says this, then you say this to the, cho- cho- the household. It, it, it can, a house divided against itself, it cannot stand. Amen.
in the church. You see, my husband is more reserved, quieter, and Bishop Saki is more open dancing. He used to jump sky high. But it doesn't mean that he's the leader. He says God has called him to assist my husband. And also in all of us assisting, we have rather found our calling. We have not been diminished. We have rather been blessed. Some women say, no, Lady Reverend, I have a problem with this submission. And some women say, well, Lady Reverend, he's called and I'm called. So we both have to manifest our giftings in the church. Oh, really? God called Abraham and said nothing about Sarah. He said, go out of your country, your kindred, to your father's house, from your father's house, to the land where I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation, and you'll be blessed. Nations will be blessed because of you. I'll bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you. Nothing about Sarah. And as a woman, I don't think it is easy for you to come and tell me that God has called you. But me, where I'm going, me, I'm visionless. I don't know what I'm going to do there. Not only that, I have reached retirement age and you are coming to call me that God has called you. Okay. Show me where God has called you to so that I can read about it on the internet. The climatic conditions, the things to wear. When I ask you, you say, I don't know. You don't know. The Bible said Abraham went not knowing where he was going. It is not always easy to submit, but it takes faith in God and godliness for yourself to follow. Amen? Amen. So they go, Lot brings all his problems. And you see, Lot is not Sarah's relative. Abraham's relative. I mean, I don't want to go already. I've left my kindred, all the people I'm familiar with. And for a woman, it's more difficult. And as I followed you, this Lot, that I don't know why you brought him. Your family members are creating problems for us. And not only that, you tell Lot that everything we have, he can have it. Are you mad? Are you off your rocker? But after that, God says, lift up your eyes, east, west, south, including what I've given to Lot. It is yours. And then God says nothing about Sarah till Genesis 17. So as the chapters are going on, Sarah says, you know, this promise, I'm not seeing it. So let me give you my house, girl. And then you give birth. And I know that that's the seed that God was promising us. So on your journey of faith, ladies, you may make some mistakes. But God is a God of mercy. What he needs is repentance and change of direction. Amen. So when these three angels came to Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, I think chapter 18, then they say, where is Sarah? And Abraham says, oh, she's in the tent. She's indoors. And then God starts to say, as for Sarah, your wife, her name shall not be Sarah, but her name shall be Sarah. Because I have made her the princess of many nations. It is in chapter 18 that God begins to reveal his vision for her. It is in another man's vision that you find your vision. Amen. It takes a man's obedience. Then we all line up and find things to do in the man's vision. But if Sarah had revolted earlier... She would have said, God has forgotten me. This man thinks I'm not gifted. I will show him that my degrees are more than what is on the thermometer. And it doesn't lead anybody anywhere. But then God said to Abraham, 
My covenant is with Isaac. And it's with Sarah. It's not Ishmael. Abraham was even thinking, oh, how I have Ishmael. That's your call. So he said, oh, that Ishmael might live. God said, I will bless Ishmael. But my covenant is with Sarah. Because God knows her obedience. God knows where you are coming from. God knows the journey. But out of fear, we can abort the vision. We can abort what God is doing. And we think, when will I also be recognized? When will I also be remembered? When will people see that I'm also anointed? For what? Amen. Do not destroy the seed. Do not destroy potential. The Bible talks about evil ambition. Amen. Amen. These things don't have to be destroyed. Do not destroy God's church. Hmm. I'm ending soon. Do not destroy God's church. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 2. Are we there? I beseech you, O dears, and I beseech Sinti, my husband says Sintike, <laughs> that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Amen. Amen. Amplified says, I entreat and advise Euodia, and I entreat and advise Sintiki to agree and to work in harmony in the Lord. And I exhort you to my genuine yoke fellow, Help these two women to keep on cooperating. For they have toiled along with me in the spreading of the good news, the gospel. As have Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Amen. Amen. Apostle Paul said, I can do all things. I think it's Philippians 1.90. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. Paul said, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. He could do all things, but to unite these two women, he was not able. (laughs) Do not destroy God's church. Most of us ladies are used as pillars in the house of God. When a church is starting for a church to move is the selflessness and mostly the sacrifice of women. I submit. Because women... I believe, perceive the anointing very easily. The woman at the well said to Jesus, I perceive that you are a prophet. The Shunammite woman said, I perceive that he's a holy man of God. Amen. A woman perceives easily. But the same pillars, they later become caterpillars. And they can pull down the work of God. Amen, ladies. So Paul says, I beseech you, help me to unite these two women. He says, I entreat and advise, because he has been saying, nah, it's not working. To agree and to work in harmony. Are they witches? No. 
Paul says they are fellow laborers. They stood with me and Clement and other laborers to spread the good news. They are very able women. They are very anointed for the work of God. But when it comes to each other, it's not working. Ladies, God uses us to build great things. A home, a ministry, a church. But we can also be used as caterpillars. Then we change and we become caterpillars. And we pull down the very thing that we have helped to build. With our different quarrels, our different gossips, our different competitions. The Bible says, and they comparing themselves with themselves are not wise. I remember somebody explaining to somebody that, oh, what I've said I will do. And the person was telling to the person, oh, we're first lady. And the woman said, first lady. And so what? I don't think it was to do with the issue. I think, he did dow. Before this issue even came up. So sometimes we get into competition the other person has not signed up for. And they say, eh, she thinks her voice is nice. She doesn't think it is true. You think. She thinks she's beautiful. She doesn't think she's beautiful. She thinks she has class. She doesn't think she has class. You are the one thinking. You are dear and Sintike. And Paul cannot force them with all his spies. I beseech you. I've tried. You too talk to them. And we use our little squabbles so the church cannot progress. The church cannot go beyond a certain place. I'm not a superwoman. But there's one thing I know. One of my favorite verses is, apart from me, you can do nothing. Because recognizing that has made me seek for God's direction and it has helped me. So I seek for God's direction not because I'm so spiritual, but because I'm so weak. And without him, I can do nothing. Look, if you are looking for an opportunity to be offended, join the church. Ministry offends more than anywhere else. Working as an attorney was easier than working as a pastor or even the bishop's wife. Amen. And some of the experiences of the church in the church are shocking. Because I don't know where you are. It's like, I mean, the body of Christ, you're shocked. The way people talk, people behave, people do, people. And sometimes the people you have labored for the most, when they called you in the night, you were there. When they said there was a trouble, you were there. I remember a woman who couldn't give birth for years. And I was so sad that she was in my ministry. So I said, I am personally going to fast and pray with you every Friday. For your prayer topic, not me. So we did that for some months. And after that, she got pregnant. So she said, oh, mommy, you have to give the baby a name. So I said, oh, you can name the baby whatever you want. But for me, I will call her Miracle Baby. So I went to look for all the 
things you need for a nursing mother, helped her. And then later I said that, you know, your husband's job cannot look after you. And you need a job, so I will bring you to the school. And I will let you be an aide there. You work in the school. She was very happy, so she was working in the school. After some time, I noticed that she was in charge of the nursery and she was vomiting blood. So I said that, oh, this lady is not good for the children. So I called and I said, go to the hospital, do all the tests so that we can know what you have. So, mommy, I need the job. If I go to the hospital, I said, oh, it's okay. I'll go to the board and I'll ask them to help you and pay you. So you go, don't be afraid that you lose your job. So she came back and she said, the doctor says, I need further tests. I need, I said, well, then it's going to disrupt the academic term. So if that's the case, let me go back to the board, ask them for three months to pay you so that within the three months, whatever happens, we are covered and the children don't suffer for it. So that's all I knew. Then she came back. Oh, the doctor has cleared me. I said, you have to bring your documents to the board. You cannot just say the doctor has cleared you. And also, the other attendant has told me that they saw you secretly. You were throwing up again. So don't be afraid. The three months is guaranteed. Just go. Hey! I didn't know that she was angry. I came to church. It was a convention. When the, the convention ended, one of the members of the board, the older members, came and said, Hey, mommy, now this woman, why did she write this about you? I said, what? He said, oh, all the board members, we've been given letters. Hey, insults in the letters. The letter. Your penumbra shadows will chase you. You are this and that and that. I couldn't believe it. So after the convention, I came to the front. And I said, I was with the older man. And I said to my husband, this is a letter this lady has written to me. And um, I don't think it's right because she's given all the board members and she didn't give me. So I think that we should have a meeting. So my husband said, oh, okay. So we all sat there and the woman was there. And then my husband said, so why did you write that? So, because, mm, because, whatever, she and her husband. And then the Holy Spirit had told me, but I said it. I said to my husband, hold on. This letter was not written by this attendant. My husband said, but, ah, but she assigned it. I said, the diction, the choice of words. Look, I didn't do law for nothing. It is not her. Somebody wrote it for her. So my husband is like, no, no, no. We are concluding the matter. You know, men, they don't like trouble. We are concluding the matter. And I said, no, no, no. So I asked the lady, as we were getting up with our chairs, and I said, who typed this letter for you? She was quiet three times. And then she mentioned my closest friend. That she typed the letter for him. Wow. I was shocked, but I wasn't shocked. Then my husband said, Oh, okay, it's okay. So, you know, you cannot type such a letter. So go and retract it and, and you know, end the meeting. Then he told Bishop Saki, Oh, just take it up, whatever. So the next Monday, the Monday after. He was going to play golf. And I was in the room feeling so broken. I think I was even crying. So, oh, mommy, I mean, get over this. It's just one of those, ah. And then he went. When he went to play the golf, I got a call. It was this lady who had written the letter, the husband. So, oh, thank Bishop for us. He has just left here. He came to comfort us. 
me that I need the comfort. I've been left in the room. And the person who has committed the thing, you have gone to the house, oh, it's okay. And, hey! I said, oh, from today, I resign from the church. <laughs> from today, it's over. I cried the cry I should cry. The Holy Spirit said to me, that's when I learned this Matthew five forty one: love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them that despitefully use you. And I will be a wrong person to say, oh, as soon as I saw the verse, I said, hallelujah, I'll just do it. No, there was a struggle. I said, God, it's so hard. It's so hard. Nevertheless, at your word. And I said, I need grace. I need strength. I need healing. And I need the spirit of reconciliation. Because I don't know how I'm going to trust this person, flow with this person again. It's going to be very hard. The Lord ministered to me. So sometimes when I speak, they say, it was very powerful. It's through pain and suffering that the word has been birthed. Amen. So anyway, long story short, the lady who had written was my very good friend. She came to my house. She knelt down. Mommy, I'm so sorry. I don't know what came over me. And me too, I asked, I said, so what informed your decision? She said, we all come from the same area. So maybe lack of judgment. That's what she said. And by God's grace, I believed her. And after that, we traveled to so many places together. And she's doing very well in the ministry. And we are great friends. And every time she hears this story, she sends me the face that's covered. She says, mommy, please stop using this example. But how can I stop? You also have to hear the pain of ministry and what it takes. It was not Bishop Dag who solved the problem between me, Yodi, and then the other Sintike. It was the Holy Spirit, the word, and your commitment to his word. That is what makes the difference. And healing comes from God. Jesus said, I've been sent so that I will heal the brokenhearted. I've been brokenhearted in ministry. But God has always healed me. And also, he's always given me the eye to see that they that are with me are more than they that are against me. Amen. He said, talk to these two women whose names are written in the book of life. Fellow laborers, they can labor for the Lord, they can fight for the but to agree, Ayeka. I pray that from this convention, we will not be people who destroy that which is being built by our little pettiness and quarrelsomeness and some weirdness. See a bigger picture. See the kingdom of God. Learn to let God fight your battles for you. So that you don't put as well you employee of Satan. Some of us, Satan has employed us full time. So he's sitting down resting because we are doing his work for him. The work of division, the work of backbiting, the work of gossiping, the work of jealousy, the work of envy. We are doing it for him. So he has employed us and he's very happy. But I pray that we will not destroy God's creation. It started from the Garden of Eden. It started with Atalia destroying the royal seed. It started by kings giving edicts about Moses, about even the baby Jesus 
Herod wanted to kill him. Satan always wants to kill things in their nascent stage. Nascent means newborn, you know, coming across. Amen. And Satan will use anything to divide you, your leadership, one another. You may pray for church growth, but until you audience in Tiki agree, it's not going to happen. Because you will be pulling down whatever is being built. But in order to go forward, it will take the love of God. Paul said, everything will pass away, but love, it never fails. I pray that the true love of God will be the center of our lives. So that even in our homes, yes, your husband has offended you. I don't believe in abuse. I don't believe in disrespect. But it takes a woman of good understanding to maneuver. Your wife has offended you. You say, I will never forgive her. The way she spoke to me, even my employees don't speak to me. She is not employer-employee relationship. She is a wife. I don't think it means she should be rude. But don't compare her to your secretary. Do you know how your secretary is to his her, her, her boss? Her husband, sorry. And that's why the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Because we are good at submitting to other people's husbands. But our own is a problem. When you are in the church, the pastor says, can I have a cup of tea? Oh, pastor, do you want herbal tea? Red tea, ribus, or a green tea, pastor. And when you go home, your husband says, I'm coming here, tea, be a man. Kettle, it's a problem, eh? Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. You go to work. When your boss is walking in, you stand up. Good morning, sir. You are not in a good mood, but you are still smiling. Say, how are you this morning? I'm okay, sir. And everything you say, you say, please. But let your husband talk to you. You will chew him from Anya Junction to N1. Where is the Christ likeness? That's why I say, God, how can he see that people will not do that to their own husbands? For him to put it there, wives submit unto your own husbands. And then he adds something. He says, as unto the Lord. Because a new your husband will never deserve your love. So you will use sex to reward him and to punish him. It is not scripture. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, in your submission, do it as unto the Lord. Because if you keep on looking at the human being, we but if you look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, and the rewarder of every good work, you'll be able to do it. And finally, if we are to walk in the word and walk in love, like I said, to build what God is doing and build along with him. In the home, husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your secretaries. Husbands, love the people who help you. Love your wives. As Christ loved the church. Me, I think that the husband's work is worse than submission. What the husband has to do, you have to love me as Christ loved the church. Hey, your work is a lot. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 5. I'm ending. 
Ephesians chapter 5. If we will all find grace to do the things God says, there will be fewer problems. Hmm. God help us. Amen. Amen. Husbands, 25. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. Any? How many husbands are willing to give themselves up? It means giving up your interest, giving up what concerns you, giving up what is important to you for your wife. All in the Lord. Not that she says, give up the call. Give up obeying God. Then you say, I'm not saying that one. Amen. Gave himself up for her. It's a very serious thing. What do you give up in yourself for your wife? What? Brothers, the place is too quiet too. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. So stop telling me your wife is not spiritual. Wash her with the water of the word and let her become spiritual. That he might present the church to himself. All that you are doing for your wife is to present it to yourself. If she looks good, it's for you. If she looks happy, it is for your well-being. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So any pimple a wife has, the husband's is your cause. (laughs) Verse 28. Even so, husbands should love their wives, being in a sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife, loves himself. He who loves his own wife, loves himself. Amen. Amen. So if you love yourself, eh, love your wife, it will be good for you. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, loves himself. The next verse, 29. For no one ever hateth his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Nourish is to invest. You put something in the soil to get something out. What do you invest in your wife? You just say, oh, what are you doing about it? There's adult education. Education is never too late. Amen. So lady reverend, how she dresses, I don't like it. Then do something about it. Lady reverend, she wears jeans in the bedroom. Buy her a sexy nighty. nourishes to cherish is to is to to cherish is to value amen let your wife see that you value her all this is the light of god's word and if we are able to walk in it god will bring us into a good place amen Amen. a final word that i just remembered um All night. <laughs> Forgive. Abawobs, like they say in first love. Abawobie. Sometimes I ask them, Bukenamo. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says that we should count others better than ourselves. Amen. Amen. If we were to do that in our marriages, 
I think that a lot will be accomplished. Amen. Amen. Paul says, let every man look not unto his own things, but also on the things of others. Amen. Amen. Our problem is that we look for our own things. And in the end, we don't look for the things of others. And that doesn't help us. Amen. I think it's um, Philippians 2, 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. If I looked on the things that concern a man, and the man also looked on the things that concern a woman, there will be peace. If somebody says, I don't like this, you take it seriously. If somebody says, I like this, you take it seriously. But you don't say, oh, cry, I grow in this world. What is that? You must value what the person is saying. You must value what the person values. If your husband values sex, don't devalue it. And say, oh, I'm a problem. If your wife values romance and be romantic, learn it. Amen, brothers. A young man and a young woman in my husband's church were beloveds. Then the lady came to say that the man is not soft and romantic. So my husband asked, like what? He said that I want him to call me baby. Baby. And then when they turn to the man, the man is this wild KJT boy. I said, now then we are called baby dear. We are called us baby saying. So if you were to say, oh baby, ah, okay, is that what you want? Instead of demeaning what the person is saying, they broke up. Because he said that, oh baby dear, we are called then. Baby dear, mean to me from what is wrong? If you just say, baby, how are you today? But you just con it from the beginning. Let each man count the other better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also, some of us, we are married, we look for the interest of only our relatives and not the relatives of the man or the woman. And you say, oh, but I don't believe that everything should be the same. I don't believe that everything is the same. When my husband is preaching, he says that the amazing thing to him is that since he has married his wife, he has not even had to give a CD to any of his in-laws. And that his father-in-law rather used to give him money. And vice versa. But you can't use that to say, because I don't give, I don't have, your father doesn't need anything. Her father also doesn't need anything. He doesn't. Do you understand? So you can look on the things of your own interest but also for the other interests but the interests may not be the same in terms of need you say if you buy cloth for your mother you should buy for my mother meanwhile your mother you only need cloth she needs something else not cloth but i believe that if we look for the interest of the other person okay i'll treat his mother like my mother treat his father like my father even if i don't get rewarded my father who sees in secret will reward me openly i believe that it will lead to 
the establishment of a lot of good Christian marriages that unbelievers can look at and see that the light of the world is in our lives. I pray that that will be our story. When I was ending on Friday, I said that God never called anybody in the Bible that it's about you, your wife, and your children. Never. It's always about the kingdom. When he calls Abraham, it's a covenant up to now you and I are enjoying. When he calls Isaac, it's a covenant up to now. So every marriage should contribute to the kingdom of God. Every marriage should find its purpose in the scheme of things and in the kingdom of God and perform that to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet. Jesus Every eye closed. Lift up your hands. It's a surrender to Him. Oh, the building of your life. The building of your life should be on the rock. Oh, Jesus, bless You are built on the rock in spite of the storms. The rock will let you stand. closed every head bowed you are here this afternoon you don't know jesus as your personal savior you know in your hearts that you have been playing games with god god is not interested in a big man or a big woman god is interested in those who will come to him in humility this afternoon jesus is reaching out to you you want to say lady reverend pray for me i'm not sure whether i'll go to heaven or hell when i die the most important thing is not a good marriage the most important thing is Christ who should be in your life. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I don't know. Lady Reverend, I've been playing games with God. Today, you want to surrender all to Jesus. Every eye closed and every head bowed. It's a prayer between you and God. Let your hand go up and give me the privilege of leading you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Build your life on the rock. Don't build it on sand. Heaven and earth will pass away. But his word will never pass away. God bless you. I see your hands. If you've put up your hand, do one more thing for me. Come to me. Come forward. Give me the privilege of leading you to Jesus who hangs on the cross. 
for your sake. You put up your hand. I've seen your hands. Come forward now. Come forward now. Jesus is calling you. Come forward. Your hands are up. I don't know what the raised hands mean. But you want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. If your hands are up, please come forward. Come. Come. Young man, come. You need to give your life to Christ. Come. Forget about how you are known. Forget about who you are. Lady Reverend, I want to start all over again. Lady Reverend, it's time for a new commitment. Come to Jesus. Come and let me pray for you. Let me stand with you in prayer. We all took this step and we have not regretted it. Come. Come to the cross. May see me down. Make this your prayer. Build your house on the rock. Come. Come to Jesus. If you've come forward, please say this prayer after me. And mean it with your whole heart. Dear Jesus, this afternoon, I come to you just as I am. Jesus, take my life and make it your own. Come into my heart and be the Lord, the master, and the boss of my life. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I pray that you will forgive me and cleanse me with your blood. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to save me. And thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. Jesus, thank you. That by this simple prayer, you have accepted me and made me your child. I receive power to become a child of God by this prayer in Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. Serve the Lord well. Some of you, is just a rededication because you've given your life to Christ. If you are born in a home, the place is your home. So continue to come here, obey like sheep, not like Bela, and grow up in the things of God. Father, I commit these into your hands. Deliver them from the enemy. Establish them on you, the rock. May they build their lives, their homes on you, so that your name will be glorified. Use them in Jesus' name. Amen. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Father, I lift up every life represented here. I sense that there's a need for great repentance and a change of direction. I want you to just pray to God now and say, Lord, I've not done things right. I ask for the cleansing of your blood. In fact, I should even have come forward, but because of pride, I didn't. But Lord, I just want to speak to you and I rededicate and redevote my life to you. Every area in my life that is rough, Lord, I pray that you are smoothing it. Lord, I pray for an encounter with you. I pray for depth 
in your children's work with you. Reveal yourself to them. Give them a love for the word and direct their hearts into the love of God. I leave your blessing and your presence in this church. May many souls be won through this church. May many souls be established here. May the kingdom of God come here. May the kingdom of God increase because of this ministry. Deliver Pastor Yali and his wife and all their leaders and their loved ones from evil. And from every plan of the enemy. May Lord, the intentions of Satan not come to pass. We rebuke the snare of the fowler. May they not fall into it. But may your hand keep them. And may they lead your people to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it be a church that doesn't sit, but a church that works till you come. Thank you for your blessing, your anointing, your grace. Thank you there shall be many marriages here. Thank you there shall be many baby dedications here. Thank you many marriages will be established here and they will be healed here. Thank you for your supernatural presence that remains here in Jesus' name. I bless them, Lord. Let there be no sorrow added in Jesus' name. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.